Ag State of Mind, episode 74. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast, a proud member of the Global Ag Network. I am your host, Jason Meadows, and pain is something that nearly everyone has experienced. And being involved in agriculture, oftentimes this pain can be amplified. We're often times taught to hide or mask that pain when we instead should be taking measures to do something about it. So today we are welcoming back Tara Haskins from AgriSafe. Tara, as you might recall, is a nurse practitioner who is the head of the Total Farmer Health Program with AgriSafe. She was introduced on episode 44 of this podcast. Uh, AgriSafe has an upcoming webinar that is focusing on talking to farmers about their pain. Uh, her and I talk about this webinar, but the, we also talk more in depth about pain and specifically about opioids and how they can affect us. Uh, you can find the link to this webinar if it's something you may be interested in in the show notes. Uh, before we get started today, I want to encourage every one of you to share this podcast with your friends. Screenshot it, put it on Instagram, put it on Facebook, put it on Twitter, even put it on TikTok. I'm becoming more involved on TikTok now. It found a really great community there. So uh, please share this with your friends and tag us in it at Ag State of Mind. I would, I would love to see it. I would love to see everyone sharing this podcast because I want the messages to get out there. Um, I really appreciate you guys. Appreciate the listens. And uh, here we go with my second interview with Tara Haskins from AgriSafe. All right, Tara, welcome back to the Ag State of Mind podcast. Oh, thank you. It's good to be back. Yeah, you know, this is unintentional, but we're having a run here of, I think, I think three episodes in a row where we're going to be speaking to people who have already been on the podcast. You are the first, then my friend Kaya Twistleman next week, and then the mm -hmm. week after that, uh, Susan Harris, which I know she has done some work with AgriSafe before. Yes, I love her. Universe. Yes. Oh, she's so great. She yeah, does so. some good work. She really uh -huh. does. She was one of the first guests on the podcast here. So, uh, yeah. um, well, but no, I'm re really excited for this. Yeah. Well, I'm honored to be in the list of return customers or return, return visits. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not a, it's, it's a pretty exclusive okay. club. So. <laughs> Oh, you flatter me. <laughs> so we ha you have something coming up, and I got this email a few weeks ago, and I was like, man, we really need to talk about it. And you guys have a webinar coming up with AgriSafe. Yes, yes. That is talking to farmers about their pain. Yes. And this hits super close to home to me, so I want to hear, mm -hmm. you know, your spiel on this, and then we'll we'll chat about it. Yeah. Well, when I got your message and you and you mentioned that that it hits close to home, I think it hits close to home for a lot of people, for various reasons. Um, and this uh, webinar is one of four that's in a series, and this is the first one. And so, if you don't mind, I'll just kind of give your audience a little information about the webinar. Is that okay? Sure. Okay, great. Absolutely. So it, it's talking to farmers about their pain. This series was 
sort of designed a lot with healthcare providers in mind, but it's also great information for anybody in any profession or in agricultural production or, you know, if you, if you're running an agricultural business and you have workers that you're responsible for, this information is invaluable. It's going to be February 25th and that is going to be our live version. And that's going to be from 12 to 1 PM. We are co-hosting with University of Mississippi Medical Center, and we're kind of doing this in collaboration with the Mississippi Extension team through some Promise 2.0 grant funding that they've gotten. And the importance of that live version, I really want to play it hard on your show, is that we are, we are offering free continuing ed credits anywhere across the nation, whoever attends in the categories of nurses, advanced practice nurses, PAs, dentists, physician, allied health, and we are pending with the pharmacy approval. They take a little bit longer, but we're, we're hoping Man, that we get that. Pharmacists are, yeah. Pharmacists are such pains yeah, in the Yeah, you're a little finicky with us. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so that's the important thing about the live version. If you are in, in some state other than Mississippi and you want to get one hour free credit, and many states now are starting to require that healthcare providers do some continuing ed in, in opioids in some, you know, form or fashion because it's such a, it's such a huge issue. And so, so this will be the first one and then it will live on our learning management system. So if you can't do the live, but you still want to hear the information, you can come to our learning management system. If you are in the state of Mississippi, it will continue to be free for you on our learning management system. So. That's my shameless plug of come one, come all. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I wanted to make sure you got this here at the beginning of the podcast so people can, uh, and we'll even talk chat about it at the end too, because it's a, it's an incredible opportunity mm -hmm. because it's something that, like I said, it hits home for so many people because, and you know, this is, this is the truth. We all experience pain at one sort of, you know, at one, I mean, it's part of the human experience, right? That's and, right. Uh, you know, as farmers, you know, I think it's even more focused for them. So like, so tell me what is AgriSafe doing? What is kind of the focus that you guys are working on with this? Sort of <clears throat> bringing awareness of the issues that create a painful event, whether it's acute pain or chronic pain that occur with agricultural producers. I mean, the work in your agricultural producer, the work you guys do is hard. It involves a lot of aspect of your work that could be seen as dangerous. I mean, it can cause harm and you work with large animals. I mean, there are just so many opportunities that could present that could create an injury. And um, I think it's important for us to talk to farmers about this because my understanding with farmers is that they don't like to talk about things that are bothering them or their weakness. And so they will put up with a lot of discomfort over a long period of time until things get to the point where now they're not able to do the things that they need to be able to do, you know, with their work. So I think if healthcare providers did a better job of exploring you know, how things are going or how are you able to do your work? And when they're presented with a pain symptom to really do a good job 
investigating that symptom to get, you know, to find out, to make sure we do the right treatment plan for that farmer, because in the end, we want to keep them on the farm. So here's the issue with pain. Mm -hmm. There's no test. That's right. That's right. There's no lab value for pain. You know, it's the only thing, you know, expect the only thing like with acute pain, you know, would be an increased heart rate or increased respirations, that sort of, you know, vague that kind of things, but there's no one lab value or objective yeah. sign that will tell you that what person, what the person's pain is. So mm-hmm. the only thing you have to go on is what that patient tells you. That's right. And, and that, that's why and, that relationship with the farmer or the rancher agricultural producer that you're seeing is so important because you want them to give you all of the details because the details help determine what kind of condition we're actually looking at. Pain is not the same across the board. There are all different types of pain. There are all different causes for pain. And the treatment plans for those different types of pain may look a little different and could be, you know, either less or more effective. So, you know, we need to get all of the information that we can from from a producer so that we can do the best job we can as a healthcare provider. So in like and you said it, you're dealing with a a demographic that has historically an incredibly high pain tolerance. Oh. <laughs> uh an inc- because they have to, right? Right. I mean, that's part part of the gig. I mean, you know, you just and it's encouraged for you to live with some pain, not complain about it, deal with it, things that, you know, you know are necessary, but also have, you've been conditioned. Like, so how do you get through that? I mean, that's a, that's a hard thing to do. Well, you know, I think you have to look at your body as a tool. And I think maybe Mm. farmers could probably relate to that, you know, and probably um, farmers, as, as and my dad, you know, growing up, you know, you take care of your tools, right? Because mm-hmm, if you don't, mm-hmm. they're not going to work for you long term. And, and, you know, that ends up costing you money. <laughs> so I think if we do a better job of encouraging our farmers to seek, seek treatment early, and uh, some of this is we're going to discuss about this in this webinar, that sometimes the earlier we can get someone in, we can get better results. Because the last thing we want you to do is to start losing function. And so uh, taking, you know, taking the initiative of, you know, seeking out an evaluation by a physical therapist. In most states now, I know in this state, you know, it's not required to have uh, something from your primary care provider. They're independent providers now. And they can do an evaluation and put you on a treatment plan. So I think there are a lot of different avenues to explore. Medications are not the only one. Um, we are going to talk a lot of, we're going to talk some about opioids and much more so in the last three segments of this series. But the reason I like this first presentation is because this is where we need to start. And in, in talking to farmers about their pain, we also need to talk to them about the safety profiles of the treatments that we're using, things to think about, strategies that they could use, you know, even asking questions like, for someone maybe that is experiencing acute or chronic pain when we're trying to manage it, you know, what is a pain level that would be acceptable to you? Because it's unrealistic to think that we can take someone's pain completely away in most situations. 
So we need to start working with those patients to find out what's reasonable to get to so that we can get you up and functional. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So this reference, this analogy keeps coming up in so many things. And, you know, I've related it to mental health a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, pain is very similar to mental health. I, f- I mean, it's a part of mental health, mm-hmm. I feel like, mm-hmm. uh, especially, uh, you know, opioid abuse and things like that. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, the thing that keeps coming up is, you know, farmers have to start thinking of themselves as assets to their operations. You know, mm-hmm. they, they are the ultimate asset to their operation because if they're not at their best, they're doing a disservice to their to their businesses, to their farms, to their operations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when they're in pain, they're not going to be at their best. They're going to be doing a disservice to their operation because they aren't they aren't functioning at the highest ability. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad to hear you say it and explain it like that because that's how I feel like you're going to break through that barrier is to, you know, start helping them look at themselves as that as an asset. Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear you say that that kind of resonates with you because, you know, that's always the challenge is how do we reach someone? How do we reach their value system? You know, what's that one thing that we can say that kind of changes the conversation and moves somebody toward saying, yes, you know, it, it is important. I need to take this time and, and I need to be honest about what I'm experiencing and, and not sugarcoat uh, you know, that's sometimes what I would run into with particularly emails are notorious, but, um, <laughs> you know, they, they don't want to really talk about, you know, how bad it really is. They'll suck it yeah. up and they'll move forward. And that, that just, that doesn't help us because I may think that you're doing a lot better than you are. And that's, you know, and that's not the case. So, so we need to get to a point of being able to being honest yeah. Yeah. That's so hard, though, yeah. you know, but yeah. I, I mean, it's an uphill battle. I mean, you know, males, obviously <laughs> that's, that's an, that's an issue anyway, but mm-hmm. then farmer men, uh, mm-hmm. wow. It's, it's, it's an issue. It's tough because, you know, they don't want to be put out of commission for a certain period of time, but they have to realize that they are going to be just a little bit of, you know, just a little bit of rest it's right. going to go a long ways. It's going in the in the long run, in the overall, it's going to help out so much. Yeah. And I, I think another thing too to remember that because farming is one of those, you know, hot that's the highest category that has the most, you know, frequent non fatal injuries, but an injury is an injury. And mm-hmm. so those injuries sometimes have lifetime implications. And sure. down down the road, an injury that happened that you're able to return back to work and do well. Um, I just had a conversation with someone whose whose father had had a an injury on the farm in his like early twenties, late twenties, no, his late twenties. Had to have an orthopedic surgery done for that with a hip replacement, and now here he is, you know, later on in his seventies, and that's got to be revised. So. You can't tell me that this person didn't experience discomfort, you know, throughout that huge span of when they were farming, you know, all of their life. So, so I think we just need to, to do, just do a better job of asking good questions and taking good histories. Whenever I would work with uh, nursing students, I would tell them, I'd say, the questions you ask are just, are just as important, if not more important sometimes in that physical examination. 
because the answers you get can lead you to the path and your physical examination becomes almost confirmatory. You know, there's an occasional situation where, you know, something may have um, tricked you a little bit, but asking good questions is key. Yeah. And, you know, you said something about like, man, just get it taken care of early. And that hits home for me personally, (laughs) because I had something happen to me. Gosh, I got to even think about how long ago it was. I mean, I wasn't married to my wife yet. So it was 12, 13 years ago. I got bucked off a horse and landed on my shoulder. It Uh. hurt, hurt so bad. I never did anything about it. I'm 13 years later. I, it still hurts. It's still something that gives me pain. I have a constant, you know, probably four or five on a scale of 10 pain, just walking around and that's not necessary. Right. I should have gotten something taken care of about that. Yeah. Early on. And Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it may be something, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to have a self-fulfilling prophecy here or anything, but it may very well require me to have surgery one day. And, you know, it didn't have to be that way. I could have like let somebody know how bad it hurt. Um, yeah, but, at least gone in to get an evaluation. Yeah, see, what am I, working I, I with? didn't. I didn't do that. And that was the, you know, young, tough kid in me. I mean, I was, shoot, I was 24, something, I think, 24 years old when that happened. Yeah, I mean, invincible. I thought everything was going to be okay. And, you know, here I am, yeah. 37 years old, and, you know, it hurts. <laughs> and yeah. it, may, it, it didn't have to be like that. So, I mean, and I think yeah. that, I think that kind of, those kind of stories you, are, are far too common and it doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the sh- you just mentioned one category. So back, neck, shoulders, and hips are the top four areas for injury that we see in musculoskeletal injuries in farmers. Yeah. Yep. So you're, you're part of the group. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a bad <laughs> shoulder and a bad back. So I'm, oh, I'm no. half of, I'm half of that. So, but yeah. the, uh, I'll yeah. take the shoulder pain over the back pain. The back pain is actually better though. So, uh, yeah. that- and I'll tell you what's, what's the harder sometimes to get someone to come in is, you know, sometimes when you have an injury and you have pain that you know is related to that, sometimes that might spur you to go get an evaluation in for most part. Now I know you said that you didn't do that, but, but, but that relationship, you know, tells you, okay, I did this and now I've got this, but sometimes over the course of time, you know, vibration, the work that you do, mm-hmm. you may end up with injuries or pain. Back pain is, is notorious for this. And the first question is people will ask, what did I do? Well, we don't really know. This could have been something that has been kind of brewing for many, many years. And, and the work that farmers do, I mean, they're always using their back, their back, their upper body all the time. Right. Yeah. And you may talk about this in the webinar too, but there's some preventative measures in that too. Yes. Ergonomic. Exactly. That's the word I was going to. Yeah. I mean, to, there, there are better ways to do things and, uh, yeah, not, you know, not too, back on the, uh, not too long ago on the Farm Bureau conference, they, I watched this two groups of guys, they had developed this technology to help get those rocks out of the field. <laughs> and I was just struck by that technology because I thought, how many backs is that saving? Oh my gosh. You know, yeah. oh yeah. I mean, I did that one time, Jason, 
my husband was from Indiana. And when I went to visit, I was inducted into the family by taking out to pick up rocks <laughs> in the field. <laughs> and uh, so uh, that's hard work. <laughs> and so I think when we do sometimes technology can be some of these answers to help our farmers with their longevity and to prevent injury. So we, we need to look at all different avenues, healthcare and technology. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Mm -hmm. So, and I want to spend just a little bit of time on this and because this is probably the part of it that hits home for me the most. And that's, that's opioids. And mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's something that, uh, it's getting a lot of attention now, especially, I mean, not just in rural America, but in America, you know, it's becoming a part of the normal American vernacular talking about mm -hmm. opioids and their dangers. But there are things that I, I think that, a lot of people, I don't know anyone whose life has not been affected by opioids in some sort or some way or a manner. You know, for me as a pharmacist, you know, that's, I, I see that all the time, you know, mm -hmm. and um, that's a, it, it's a hard thing to see people to become addicted to these things and become dependent on them because, you know, that's the thing about, the thing about them is they help people not feel that pain like i don't think i i don't think people understand that is like they do what they were intended to do they just have that's right they have some things that are obviously undesirable yes you know opioids are very effective in treating moderate to severe pain and that's what they're supposed to be used for and they're supposed to be used short term as well and that's what we hopefully now the way that we're trying to implement them. It hasn't always been like that, but I think we're doing a much better job. But I, I think too, to have conversations whenever we're patients are taking these home, taking that prescription, and I know they come and they see you to talk about, now listen, th this will work, but you know, you know, you can get tolerance to this and then it won't be as effective. And, and if you're still hurting, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll be tempted to take, another one or an extra one, but that's the time where you need to call your provider and say, look, mm -hmm. <laughs> I've got, this is not, this is not working anymore. What else can we do? Because, and I think educating people and informing them so that it's not seen like it's not anything they did. You know, when I worked in outpatient addictions and I did a lot of work in uh, opioid treatment for the most part, most of the, I would say probably 95% of the people that I saw, no one ever came up to me and said, yeah, I started uh, taking these uh, pain pills just to have fun. Mm -hmm. It started because they were being treated yes. for a pain condition. Yes. And they got caught, you know, it, tolerance started to develop and then they didn't know what to do. And then it became, they felt like it was a value, you know, you know someone was making a statement about their, their ability to be tough or to make good decisions. And, and I think we need to get away from that blaming game that, that we sometimes may, maybe sometimes patients may feel and just talk truthfully about this is what can happen. When this happens, you need to call. So I never really like, even as a pharmacist, I had a really hard time with empathy for really long for uh, for people mm -hmm. who used opioids and, you know, the scripts I would see come in for them. Until I had mm -hmm. an issue that caused me severe pain for any time. That's mm -hmm. when I hurt my back a few years ago. 
and you know it was so bad i'd have to lay and it was a sciatic type thing where you know Mm -hmm. i had to lay in the back of the pharmacy just to get to get it was awful it was absolutely terrible and i understand i understood at that point like why people might get picked hooked on pain medicine i mean i Mm told i totally understood why it happened not saying that it should have happened or that it was okay that it happened but i understood why they did it because you'll do anything when the pain is that bad and that persistent you'll do anything to get rid of it And I mean, the vast, vast, like you said, 95% of these people Mm -hmm. who do become addicted to opioids, they did it because they wanted to get rid of the pain, not because they wanted to be an addict or a junkie or anything like that. That's a very small minority of the people who use opioids. Um, It's the people, it's normal people. Normal people. And, you know, I think too, we sometimes when we have those discussions with uh, patients, uh, we were very careful always about, you know, th- those when when someone has been following a treatment regime and they end up getting caught and getting dependent on opioids and don't know where to turn, and then it's just a slippery slope, and then the next thing you know, you know, there there are other behaviors that come as a result of that in in an effort to just try to take away the pain. But you know, when we talk to them, I think I think they appreciate not being placed in that category of things like a junkie Mm -hmm. (laughs) or or an addict you know they're medically dependent on a medication they were prescribed right and and so i think if we start there then maybe that can open some doors to conversation yeah no we actually had to have we had to have a special support group for those patients because they did not feel comfortable going into a more general type support group that was very helpful because I mean, they felt they felt shame for something that mm-hmm. was totally stigma. Yes, shame. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and it was mm-hmm. totally not their fault. I mean, that's no. And there is there's an awful stigma around addiction, around opioid addiction, and mm-hmm. that's very rarely was it something that was their their fault. I mean, it just, Mm -hmm. it just happens. And, you know, I, I didn't used to feel that way. I'll, I'll admit it right now. I did not used to feel that way. My, over the last, I'd say probably five years, my heart has totally been flipped on Mm -hmm. this issue. And, um, it's something that I feel like everyone should be made aware of. Yeah. Well, you know, I appreciate your honesty and, you know, we don't all come to this conclusion in the same space as healthcare providers. But I think sometimes when you can see success and, and you, you know, and you sometimes can see the visible pain that someone's in, I'm not, and I'm talking not necessarily about the physical pain, but the emotional pain that that causes and the, and the damage that occurs to the families. That to me is the biggest tragedy of it all. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be like that. We, you know, we do have now some treatments that are out there for outpatient addiction treatment, you know, and it, it just may take a while. You know, the sad thing is, is that we have greater access sometimes to prescription opioids than we do actually to really good addiction treatment. And so there's a, yeah, I know. <laughs> there's an imbalance. And, that's, there, and therein know. lies the problem. Especially in rural. Yep. Especially in rural. Yep. Yep. Because it is, it's often much simpler to just give someone, you know, they're doing better with this 
and I'm happy for that. There's laws in place. You know, Missouri mm -hmm. Board of Pharmacy mm -hmm. has some absolutely wonderful laws that have been put in place the next last couple of years to limit the amount of opioids mm -hmm. someone can get on a first fill, which is a great thing. Um, they're just doing some. Yeah, you guys have really been instrumental in kind of helping turn the tide of this. I I really give kudos to the to the pharmacy professionals that have worked you know, interdisciplinary, trying to come up with solutions because we needed them. We just didn't have enough. Well, I mean, we'll be honest here. You know, who's the, the pharmacist is the one who sees it. The, you know, yes. you know, they do, they see the effects of it. You know, they, they're mm -hmm. the ones who get uh, the calls and want the early fills and they're the ones seeing mm -hmm. the patient face to face in this so many times. And, you know, not saying that the doctors and nurse practitioners and other providers are not, they are, but you know, you don't have to have an appointment to come see a pharmacist, right? So they are, they're getting to see these people multiple, multiple times. And, mm -hmm. you know, so, I mean, they're seeing the effects and yeah, I, you know, the state boards have done a wonderful job. Mm -hmm. answering the call for that. Yeah. And I think, um, too, it's also important to remember that, you know, let's say someone had, had struggled maybe with, you know, opioid dependence, you know, that chronic pain condition may still be there. Mm -hmm. So we, our work is not finished. Um, we have, we've still got to work, you know, to get the opioid dependence, you know, at bay. And then let's tackle the chronic pain. And that's when we need our, our pain specialist to be able to see, you know, people that are struggling with chronic pain because there's all kinds of different modalities now that can be used. Some don't necessarily cause sedation, which I know is a huge mm -hmm. probably issue for people working on a farm. Sure. You're driving heavy machinery. You're around large animals. You're, you know, responsible for other people. So, so we just, we need to get the best treatments out there that can make people as, as safe and as functional as possible. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, mm -hmm. Well, Tara, I appreciate your time here tonight. Uh, like, well, like I've always, it's, it. it's a pleasure to speak to you. Yes. Well, um, good. And I, I hope your audience look, gets a chance to come to the webinar. And thanks for having me again. Yeah. It's always a pleasure, Jason. Well, You're so easy to talk. Well, to. I feel the same. I was just thinking the same thing about you, Tara. So okay. I appreciate it. And let everybody know again one more time how they can find that webinar. Yeah. Great. So you can go to the AgriSafe website. And if you look right now, it's on our far right-hand side. And it's talking to farmers about their pain. It's a free registration. You may, If you've never come to AgriSafe before, you may have to make an, a free account. But it's not not don't going to take much of your time and that webinar is going to be february 25th the live version and it's from 12 to 1 central standard time and if you are a nurse advanced practice nurse pa dentist physician allied health and hopefully pharmacist mm -hmm, right. <laughs> then you, then you could get one hour free ce you know for this webinar yeah. so come and join us and i want to hear from everybody and get some great questions perfect well thanks um I appreciate your time, like always, and I uh, look forward. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to do it again because I'm sure you guys will come up with something else that I'll need to talk to you about. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.